With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Another week of tennis has been and gone. We've had hardcore events. We've had clay court events. And we've had more Italian champions. This time on the women's, it's Jasmine Paolini. Yeah, also Jordan Thompson winning his first ever ATP title. Well done to him. And we've also seen Roger Federer in a tuk-tuk. It's important to say also Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic in the sky. So not the most ordinary week of tennis. We're going to be speaking about it all, though, in this episode. So sit back, get yourself a hot drink or a cold drink, and welcome to the countdown. Novak Djokovic has won the Australian Open. 35 matches unbeaten. He's done it! Djokovic has won Wimbledon. He wins his 14th Roland Garros title. Hey, welcome back, tennis fans. Another episode of The Countdown. A little bit later than planned this week, but it has allowed us some time to see some of this week's action as well, so we will be taking you through that. But before we get going... Let's find out how JG is. How are you doing? You right? Yes, very good. The highlight of my week has been Bitcoin <laughs> and Ethereum, both of which are flying very high. Uh, shout out to any crypto lovers in the comment section. I'm not a big crypto lover, but I've certainly been very invested since the ETF launched uh, at the start of the year for Bitcoin. And I think it's a very fascinating space. So I've been spending my time when I'm not working or watching tennis studying the crypto markets. What about yourself? Does that mean that Karatsev's going to be back on the rise again soon if Bitcoin is uh, firing high? Well, I'd hope so, but I've not seen any, any action from him at all. Well, uh, me this week, I mean, it's just been all business as usual. Not, nothing uh, too special to announce. But some great tennis. Let's get stuck into some of the things that did happen. You mentioned it there in the intro, and I think we should go to it first because the Italians seem to be stealing all of the headlines, and 
I know we did actually go to see something very Italian uh, over the weekend, which was uh, a little, say, premiere of an Italian movie, which was quite exciting. Uh, it's about the 1976 Davis Cup uh, winners, which were, well, for me, fantastic. I absolutely loved the movie. It was called Una Squadra. Uh, did you enjoy it as well? Yeah, that means one team for those who don't know, don't oh. speak Italian. And <laughs> Cinema Italia invited us and I had such a good time. I thought everyone was really friendly and welcoming and supportive of what we do on the channel. And the documentary was amazing. I really enjoyed it. I thought it had a good mix between inf information and comedy. And I really recommend, um, I don't think it's out yet, but when it does come out, we will be uh, providing some links and directions of how you can watch it because it is generally very, very funny. And I think you tennis fans would, would, would extremely enjoy it. Yeah, I think that you'd absolutely love it. We will do a separate video actually reviewing the whole thing once it is officially out. But yeah, I have to say it was an exquisite documentary. We learned a lot and we had plenty of laughs, as did everybody yeah. else who was uh, watching it as well. Uh, let's move on to other Italian news in the current day, not 1976. And this is not Yannick Sinner this week. It is on the women's side. Jasmine Paolini, I mean, what an incredible performance from her. She goes on and wins in Dubai. I mean, I thought this was an unbelievable performance from somebody, not the biggest in stature, it has to be said, Paolini. I think she's only about five foot one or something like that. And she's yep. been up against some big, hard hitters. And she's managed to, well, give a great account of herself. As you can see... Look, oh, it's important to note, Ben, sorry, that it is Go a on. Masters 1000 event. So this is a seriously big event in Dubai. And it mm. had the likes of all of the big players there. You had Iga, Rabakina, Sabalenka, yep. uh, Coco Goff. These big names were playing in it. And we didn't see one of the big names winning it. We saw Jasmine Paolini, someone who's been on tour for a few years. She's currently at a career high playing some of her best tennis. She is a very small girl, but someone who's very resilient. And during her run, there was times when she looked like she may go out. Um, and she looked like she didn't have that extra gear, but just kept coming through. And she beat some really good players. Had admire first round. Tough, tough opponent. Someone who's sort of breaking into, inside the top 10 at the moment. Leila Fernandez is having a really good period. I think she's coming good in 2024. Sakari, easily. Sasteya, who's playing brilliant at the time. Kalin Skaya was the toughest one in the final. And she looked like she had that one lost uh, many times, but just kept bouncing back, breaking back at big moments. And the real uh, impressive thing about her game is just the fighting spirit. I wouldn't say technically she's the best player in the world. I don't see her winning Grand Slams. But what she has in abundance is the never-give-up attitude. And it seems to be very much all over the Italian uh, tour at the moment. Because it seems like I can say that about so many Italian players, on the men and the women, they seem to have this Rafael Nadal kind of energy. That's the way I'd put it. Sinner's, Sinner's the best at it. Two sets down against Daniel Medvedev comes back, fights through. We're really seeing a different energy. And I'm just hoping that can happen with uh, Berrettini because he's had a few injuries, not seen him playing much tennis. But this could inspire him. Or a Massetti who's got so much ability, who he lacks that side of his game, that fighting, grit and mm. determination. 
if he can develop some of that and from all of this Italian success, then he is, I think, a contender to go and win Masters and maybe go deep in Grand Slams. Most definitely. I think that this this Sinner uh, effect, I think I'm going to call it now, is what's happened after this Australian Open. We're now, it's, it's not a shock to me that we're seeing all of them suddenly be- having the belief that they can go on and do it now. He's sort of, how do I say, normally you'd see in America, they call it like blue collar workers and that type of thing. There's like a man of the people, that type of thing. Yannick Sinner seems like that type of guy. I feel like normal people seem to relate to Yannick Sinner. And he sort of speaks to a lot of his fellow peers in the, in the tennis world as well. I think that they look up to him. I know that he's young, but... He's like an old head on young shoulders, Yannick Sinner. I think Jasmine Paolini has done fantastically well to uh, to win this one. It's her second career title. And she's up to her career high now, 14 in the world. I think this is amazing. And some of the young uh, Italians on the men's side as well are now sort of pushing on as well. We're seeing some good results from some of them coming through after that Sinner win. I'm excited to see what comes next for Paolini because... This is one I didn't expect her to win it, but as you know, as this tournament was progressing, when I saw that she was up coming up against Rabakina, I actually fancied her to beat Rabakina, but they didn't actually play in the end. But I, st- I still believe she would have beaten Rabakina had they played. Yeah, um, I'm interested to see what happens now the next few weeks with her and how she does on the clay courts for Roland Garros because. If I'm not mistaken, a few years ago during COVID times, she was one of the real standout performances at Roland Garros and did quite well. So we know she is a really good clay court player and maybe one to watch, considering we are talking about the countdown to, to Roland Garros, one to watch at the big, at, at the slam. Yeah, and uh, the countdown is on and it is 89 days to go. I mean, I feel like we're counting down maybe a bit too far away. Uh, I think in next year, we might just count down to Indian Wells and then we might count down <laughs> to Roland Garros after it. Um, just to break up the tour a bit, I know that we did it with the tour finals. A lot of people say Indian Wells is like the, the fifth Grand Slam, don't they? So I think yep. that it may deserve its own little series of the countdown as well. But should we move on to some of the other like champions or, or the other finals that we saw? Uh, can, can we week? move on to a big story before we do that, Ben? Go so on. this is something I want to speak about, and I think it deserves the main slot on the countdown, and that is the sensation Joao Fonseca. And mm. I think it's important to speak about him because there's been some uh, some comments on our YouTube, and the hype is quite real on social media, and I am very excited by him, maybe because he's Brazilian and he likes the clay courts, and that always helps with me. But for those who don't know much about him, he's 17 years of age. He's from Rio in Brazil. He turned pro at the back end of last year. His parents uh, helped him with that big move. There was a bit of um and ah in whether he can make the top 100, and then they would let him go pro. Um, They wanted him to focus on his school and keep his feet on the ground. He has opted to be a professional player and what a decision it was because he has been pretty solid. I don't know if we're going to go through some results of what we've seen from him, but I'm super impressed. He is the US Open junior champion uh, last year 
in 2023, he beat Alexander Block X, the guy uh, who is playing Benoit Pair. Um, mm. You'll see a bit of him. I think he's from Belgium, if I'm not mistaken. He beat him right. in the final. And this is what he's done recently on the ATP Tour. I'll let you go through it. Yeah, I mean, this one's an incredible performance. Uh, beating Arthur Fee, who, one of the rising talents on the ATP Tour, bagels him in the first set and then 6-4 in the second, a straight sets win. Then Christian Garin as well, somebody who is at home on the clay courts. He's seasoned. He's like a veteran on these clay courts and he's done him in straight sets as well. And then to only go out in three sets to uh, Navone, who was actually... Uh, the finalist, I believe. So, and uh, he lost quite comfortably in the final. It has to be said against Sebastian Baez, who, well, he's just one of those players who goes through spells of form. But when you come to the clay courts of South America, Sebastian Baez is just like one of the best that you can get out there. Um, incredible stuff from him. Another tournament win. I think. I think he has about f- is it four, five titles now for for Baez. Amazing. I don't know how many titles, but yeah, um, definitely a player who is doing extremely well at the moment. He's at his career high and he was, of course, the champion of Rio, but he wasn't my champion. My champion was Fonseca for the fact that that was one of the most exciting stories. And people are saying, oh, well, he only won a few matches. Calm down. Then he went on to lose to the Argentine guy you just had up a second ago. Well, He's gone off the screen now. In the, no. in the next match, Ben. Oh, Tarante. Tarante, then he went on to lose. But it was very, very tight. And oh. I just think you need to watch this space because this is this is what Alcaraz did when he first broke through. He was granted a little bit younger and sort of 15 years old. Uh, but then when he beat Albert Ramos Venolas, people started to consider yeah. him. And I'm, I've, I honestly am believing that give this guy a few more years and we could see him pushing and knocking around the top 10. I loved some of his ground strokes. And yeah, certainly a really exciting player for the future. Solid, solid player. Love to see it. And who knows, uh, he may have done better in Santiago in Chile had the courts been a little bit better. But we'll get on to that uh, in a little bit. That was yep, something... Just sticking with Rio, Ben, we had Alcaraz who went out early through injury. Mm. What's your reaction? Do you think he, he will be all right for the Netflix match? He said he will be. Said he. He said it was a, a bit of a relief that he was told that it, it wasn't as bad as it looked. It was just like this uh, sprain. I can't remember the exact wording of it now, but it was some sort of grade two uh, sprain on his ankle. And turns out it takes a few days to heal. So that's fine. He said it'll be, well, fit for the Netflix, fit for the Indian Wells match. I think nothing to worry about. Uh, he's got the best team around him. He's got plenty of good staff to help him recover. Okay, Jordan Thompson. Fantastic. I mean, come on. I mean, this guy, I mean, I'm going to bring up his his path as well because I think it needs to be noted when somebody wins their first title, you've got to really sing their praises because it's not an easy thing to do. People go their whole career without winning titles. So if they do win one, especially somebody who's a bit of a journeyman in Thompson, really, in previous years. And now he's up to his career high of 32 in the world. He's taken out the likes of Escobedo. He took out Nava, Mickelson, Zverev, the big one there. And then uh, Kasparud in the final. He was playing really well, though. I'm yeah, I know you're getting the high on it, but I don't think the run was that good. I feel Mickelson was probably... 
oh, one of the don't toughest. Talk, don't talk to me about the Mickelson one. That was the how many match points? Well, he was he was four one down in the second after losing the first set. I think it was four one forty love. He was almost out of it. Mickelson was playing so good, and I think yeah. he is. He's another one who's going to be there, there or thereabouts, top ten one day. I think he's so good. Yeah. Uh, Zverev, it's a bit hot and cold. Rude, not that great. So I did. I don't think it was the toughest of draws, really. I know you disagree with me slightly, but I thought Mickelson, was, Mickelson was probably the toughest match. Uh, yeah, I thought Casper Rude. He knocked out Sissipas, who's normally pretty good oh, over in Mexico. Great. Nuno Borges, know you're pretty high on him. Except when he's it's losing. Okay. He's I mean, it's not bad. It's not bad, <laughs> but it's not that exciting. I would say I would say what Paulini had to do was tougher than what Jordan Thompson oh, did. Most definitely, but it's a different level of event as well. I feel that this event, you'd see some other events that are like sort of 250 events where they have a lot lesser players than like a Zverev or a Rude in them, to be honest. But yeah, I think you can only beat who's put in front of you. And I think he's continued that beating... Uh, that he gave Rafa, I think has put him in good stead. I think it's actually boosted his confidence for the rest of the year, to be honest. Well, it's made the loss to Rafa not look as bad yeah. for Rafa. <laughs> true, it's helped him out true. a little bit. Yeah, I, I totally And talking agree, of Rafa, yeah. he's back in action as well because he is practicing, he's hitting well, he's got the match in Las Vegas against uh, Alcaraz very soon. And we now know that he will be returning to Indian Wells on Thursday, March the 7th at 6pm local time. Exciting. I mean, good to see the big man back. I'm sure, I've said this before already this year, he wouldn't be back unless he's fully fit, but I'm assuming this time he is definitely fully fit and he's ready to uh, take on the world. This is where he's going to prove to everybody that he's building himself up, ready for that big role on Garros tournament that everyone's hoping, if you're a Rafa fan, that he's going to win number 23. And what better practice for this than getting on a plane with Novak Djokovic, talking <laughs> tactics, having a few beers together, sitting next to each other. Um, <laughs> just how bizarre <laughs> is that that they're on the same flight? I think it is a bit weird that they're on the same flight, to be honest. And somebody else um, thought it was quite weird as well. It's actually teed me up quite nicely for this. Daniel Medvedev has asked about this exact same thing. And he said, uh, first of all, I was surprised. Where are they going so early? <laughs> Indian Wells? Why so early? It's fun. I guess they uh, didn't for sure talk to each other before to choose the same flight. I guess it was a surprise for them. So... Yeah, he was a bit shocked to see them on the same plane, but he just also said, this is the way the tennis world is. He said that you will just end up just bumping into just tennis players travelling to different events. And most of, the, most of the time he said it's very cordial and you just like are very friendly, take a selfie, post it. And But he said if that would have probably lasted about two minutes at max, that interaction, then they would have just gone to separate seats, sat down, put some headphones on, and then that's it for the rest of the journey. They're not going to sit there well, chatting. That selfie was so popular. It blew up on, on all social media. And I believe it got something like 1.1 million likes yeah. or something. Crazy. It's insane. It? Like the fans were so excited just to see them two together on a plane. I was shocked, to be honest. I was actually, it actually like got me 
quite hyped up for Indian Wells. <laughs> the yeah. fact that we're going to see Djokovic there for the first time in a while, the fact that Rafa's coming back again, the whole thing is just like, was it planned? Are them just going there together? Djokovic's first time in a while. Did Rafa say, do you want me to come along with you on the plane? Well, I don't think they should both get too hyped up about it all because they've got an Italian who could be in their way in Yannick Sinner. Mm. And I think he's just unstoppable at the moment. So we'll certainly well, be interested. But just like Rafa and Djokovic, let's fly on to the next section. Latest news. Right, the first story up is in Chile, Santiago. And there's been a few issues here with the bounce of the ball. <laughs> yes, um, an understatement to say players are disgruntled, let's say, about this court. I mean, we can see it here and I'm sure we're fine to be able to show this because we are just giving some commentary on it. This is what's been going on. So, as you can see here, it's bouncing pretty okay at the moment. But no issues. Up. Yeah, still going all right. And oh, what oh. happened there? <laughs> I like that reaction. Oh, everybody has the similar reaction, don't they? Oh, I've had that. Well, this is just one video, you. but it's happening. It's happening in every single match. There is so many issues. I am no expert when it comes to clay courts, but there's something clearly wrong with the surface because I've watched a lot of challenger events on clay, and I've never seen a ball on every single match just bouncing so strangely. Well, There's we been a lot of complaints. One. I saw Cabeas Buena, I think that's the video you're going to show now, also having a similar incident, which John posted on social media. And we've got a brilliant laugh that goes with that one. Yeah, here it is. So, let's see here. Nice forehand. Oh. <laughs> There we go. That John. is John Silk laughing <laughs> in a very evil way after Cabias Buena. Uh, I feel like he got some joy out of that. Completely John, missed the ball because it didn't bounce. <laughs> he definitely got a bit of joy at that that laugh. I feel that there was a bit of a hilarity, but also a bit of like, oh, quite happy that happened and watching him stumbling around there on the court. And there is another incident that has happened also in Chile, which is also the guy you've been speaking about, Fonseca. So let's just have a look at him running across court here. And you can see his foot gets caught in the court as well. So it's clear that these courts are just not fit for purpose. Look, and you see how annoyed he is as well. Just They're, they're just not at the level. Um, what do you think should be done? I mean... Is this up there with the the Naples event, this one? I mean, I know that was a terrible laying of a court, but this one just doesn't seem fit for purpose. I remember when we were in, actually, when we were in Zagreb, remember when uh, Chris O'Connell was about to play and they watered the court so much that he even refused to play on it. That he just said, you just can't play on that. No, there, was, was there wasn't enough clay on the, the certain, it was patchy where the clay was. Um, but this seems like there's too much clay, if anything, and that's why it's... Well, dying so much but I, I'm no expert like I say uh, something needs to change though because this event is being ruined and we're not able to see these players at their best because the ball is not bouncing uh, let's move on to the next story indeed I thought you might find this one quite interesting 
Uh, it's a, we were just talking about Daniel a second ago, and there's a new face appearing in Daniel's box. It's a guy who he typically didn't do very well against. Oh, Jill Simon. Jill <laughs> Yeah. How fun is that, that Jill Simon's <laughs> appearing in Medvedev's box? He's not good against French players, so has he but brought in he? a Frenchman? Is he a coach? I don't know, but he's just in there. I don't know if he's a coach. I saw or them practicing together, actually, but I feel like he's just there for support. I don't think he's any. He's not there at any capacity to help Medvedev's tennis. He says, I've been working with Daniel since December, but uh, oh. but we haven't said anything. That's all. So he's just secretly working with him by the sounds of it. But he's not an official, uh, well, coaching staff, I don't think. He's just there in the box. Well, he definitely knows some tips on how to beat Medvedev because I remember that year he <laughs> did beat him uh, and how he always loses to French players. So he maybe he might be able to help him overcome the French curse. Yeah. Next story. I think that, I think that it's brilliant that he's in there. So this one's a real, real nice story. And it's to do with Stefanos Tsitsipas. And he's playing in Acapulco. And he will be donating $1,000 for every ace he hits during this competition. What a nice guy. And this is to do with Hurricane Otis, which in October 2023 caused catastrophic damage in Acapulco, impacting 250,000 families. I mean... Fair play. Sissipas, people give him a hard time. I think he's come out smelling the roses here, though. Well, let's just hope he can find some aces and he's in the event long enough to make some money. <laughs> yeah. Right, now we're talking, and this is the most comedic uh, latest news story of the lot. And there's been a bit of hate regarding the cost for private lessons at this Netflix match they're doing Nadal and Alcaraz to play with Rafa is $150,000 for a private lesson same with the one with Alcaraz um, and then you've got Sam Query I think there's one with him and John Isner playing and it's like $2,000 yeah. completely <laughs> different at a different rate altogether and he put out this really funny TikTok which we thought we would share yeah, it's very funny. Package going around the internet about this upcoming Netflix slam. Do you want to hit with Alcaraz or Nadal for 150 grand? Do you want to hit with Isner and myself? It's $2,000. It's the steal of the century. But let me tell you what you get from me for 150 grand. I'll walk your dog. I'll teach you how to fold laundry. I'll even give you a psychological lesson on how not to win a major. I'll do your taxes. I'll make you some lunch. I'll teach you how to make amazing social media content. I'll even tuck you in at night. And since you won't be winning a slam, I'll teach you the next best thing. How to play pickleball. A lot of people are doing this little pack. <laughs> Great uh, end. Like and um, you got you got to have the comedy, really, when it comes to t things like this. Because why in the hell are they charging so much for a private lesson? And who are booking them? I mean, I think they're fully booked up. I'm not Who surprised. has this kind Just of money? People get some cash out there. They're in the land of the rich. So yeah, but who's doing money. that, Ben? Just going to be. That's gonna, it's like saying who's paying to go travel to the moon. If there's if there's tickets available and they're going to charge you a million, someone's going to pay it. That's just the way the world is, unfortunately. Who do you but blame? Play. The players. Capitalism. Right. <laughs> no, <laughs> cheers to Sam Curry, though. Great, uh, funny uh, TikTok. Keep those ones coming. Great to see him in good spirits. And this one, 
a bit more sombre news. Uh, I didn't even know this until earlier on today. It is uh, one year after the retirement of Carlos Ramos, Carlos Bernardes will also leave umpiring at the end of 2024. The end of an era. It really is. I'm shocked when I heard that. I didn't think he'd be uh, hanging up the seat so soon. <laughs> is that what you just say? <laughs> Leaving the seat. I don't know. Yeah. But... <laughs> Yeah, iconic name, big loud voice, someone we've seen on our screens for many years, but no big loss for me. I don't get attached to umpires. Um, in fact, the best umpires, you don't know who they are. Very true. I'm sure Kyrgios won't uh, miss the sight of this guy. I think they've had a few run-ins in, throughout their career, but Nick's normally the bigger man these days, and I'm sure he'll send him a nice message uh, once the re retirement's actually official. So the moment we've all been waiting for, it is Tennis Shootout, where me and Ben ask each other a question and we usually get them wrong. Um, I'm going to be asking Ben one first and I think it's a really good question because I've tried to relate it to Roland Garros, I've tried to relate it to Ben in some way and I've also related it to the current news and current events what are happening right now and he'll be a fool to get this one wrong. So cue the music. Um, I'm really interested to see <laughs> if he can get this one right. You ready? Go on. So we've been speaking a lot about Italian tennis players. They've been winning a lot. Yannick Sinner, Paolini. We went to an event with Italians the other day and watched an Italian documentary talking about the Italian Davis Cup success. My question to you is, what year did an Italian last win Roland Garros? And who was that Italian who won Roland Garros? <laughs> Go. Mm, I mean, I don't know the year. Um, I'm going to go with the guy from the documentary <laughs> that's the only one I can think what of what one there was a few of them well I think only one of them won it so then they all were envious of him which was I believe his first name was Adriano was it Adriano Panatta okay and a year I'm going to go with 72 as a guess okay Lock that one in. I've only based that upon them winning it in 76, so I've just gone a bit earlier. So you got part of it right. It was, in fact, Adriano Panatta, a real great character. Uh, <laughs> loves the women and very Brilliant fascinating. Guy. You want to know a bit about his story, I recommend watching the documentary. In terms of year, you were wrong, though. You was out by right. four years. It was actually in 1976. It was the oh, same year. Question. And that's when he won Roland Garros. Oh, so well done, though, Ben. That. You remembered. I thought you was asleep for that part. No, I remember that he definitely won it because I remember them talking about being jealous of him and just saying, like, oh, that was the one thing that got under their skin is the fact that he had been able to win it and he was just a little bit, had a bit of an ego about him because of it. And didn't quite train as hard as everybody else because of it but yeah that's enough about that spoiler alert <laughs> right okay so you've been speaking to me about italians and when we come to roland garros it's normally about one particular spaniard but this question is about 
Spanish players, but it's not about Rafael Nadal. Can you tell me how many other Spanish players have won Roland Garros in the Open Era? Go. What's the Open Era from? That is from 1968. Okay. Um, Juan Carlos Ferrero. Don't remember any others, but there already was some. I know there's some Brazilians. <laughs> so I looked at it earlier. Um, I'm going to go for four. Oh, it's close, but it's just off. It is actually five. You're very close. Uh, we're starting all the way back in 72 with Andre Jimeno. And then we had, um, coming down the list, 1993, back-to-back wins for Sergei Bruguera. Then we had Carlos Moyer in 1998. This yeah, was a big one. Yeah. And then we had Albert Costa in 2002. And then Juan Carlos Ferrero, as you said, in 2003. Okay. Well, I tried. I fouled. But I got quite close. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Well, we both sort of tried a bit, fouled a bit, and got quite close. (laughs) Yeah, let us know how you got on at home. Leave us a comment and let us know uh, what you thought about any of the the topics we discussed on this episode of The Countdown. If you haven't already, hit the like button, subscribe if you're new, and we'll be back for another episode same time next week. Anything left to say? Forza Italia. Vamos! (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.